Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. One of the things that I like uh, to do is I like to, uh, I like to buy Bibles. Um, you think, oh, well, you're a pastor. You get paid to buy Bibles. No, I, I, just, I, like, um, I like different Bibles. I like different translations. I have a little uh, weakness for a bookstore back in Michigan that is the only bookstore that can sell Cambridge Bibles in America. And they, uh, because they're the only one, they sell them sometimes slight defect for half off. And so I got some really nice uh, Bibles that I like. And I, wanted, I have a latest Bible I purchased that um, I brought today. And um, it's a little different, and um, it's, it's this Bible here, and it's a little bigger than I normally carry around with me, um, <laughs> and um, I can't let you look at it. You can look at the cover, but you can't look inside, and that's because I promised my Sunday school class this morning that they get to be the first ones to look in it. They're studying how we got our Bible so you don't get to look at it unless you're in my class. But maybe later on, if you're good, I'll let you look at it. But the significant thing about this Bible, other than the fact it's about 32 pounds, and uh, what it is, it's an exact reproduction, a facsimile, which means it's a photographs, very well done, of course, today with digital photography, of the original pages so it's an exact facsimile, which means it's the exact size, uh, probably even lighter than the original one, and it is uh, a Codex Sinaiticus, which means it came from the Sinai Peninsula, and when the Bible first started being put in this kind of book form, and it is the old, the thing about this one, it's the, it is the oldest complete New Testament that we can put our hands on, or somebody can put their hands on. It's actually split up in four different locations today. That's why it took a while to, to do this. Um, and it has most of the Old Testament. There's some parts missing, but it is, the significant thing about Sinaiticus is it's the oldest complete Greek New Testament. The reason I brought this in, I just what I wanted you to get, is to get a little appreciation for the fact that in the 4th century, the 4th century, when this, is, when this is dated to, this was the Bible. You didn't carry a Bible around with you. You didn't have a Bible. The Bible, like this, I'm getting, it's getting kind of heavy. I'm going to put it over here. <laughs> and remember, you don't peek in it after church now. Dale, you're an elder. I'm going to put you in charge. If anybody peeks, we're going to find them, okay? Because I, I had promised my class they get to be the first ones. So anyway, the thing about that is, if you wanted to read, actually read the Bible... You had to go to the monastery, the church, the religious center of the Christian faith at that time, and you had to look at that. You didn't own this. You didn't have this. If you had some copies that had been handwritten, because no printing presses yet, of certain passages, you had it in your head. And in fact, if in the Old Testament, when the Apostle Paul travels around, when Jesus went to the synagogue in Nazareth, and they opened up the scrolls. They were in the synagogue. You didn't have the scrolls at home with you. And the reason I, I, I say all that is, as we begin this morning, I, I just want to build in us a little bit, once again, a little appreciation 
for how fortunate we have, we are today, that we have such access to the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you a Bible. We have them in back here, um, some very simple copies of the Bible. We'd be more than glad to give you one. Uh, if you have a phone, a computer, a tablet, uh, you have access electronically, not only to the Bible, but to multiple translations and resources. Um, we are so fortunate today, I am so fortunate, that uh, I can have a Bible. I can have the Bible even in the smallest form in my telephone if I want to, to read somewhere. And I want us to appreciate that as compared to our, uh, the, the previous generations that did not have access. One of the reasons why when, uh, in the early church when there was persecution, when somebody kind of turncoated on the church and took the Bible and gave it away to the persecutors, what a horrible loss that was because the Bible was gone. And you know how long it would take to get something like that hand-copied once again? Um, we are so fortunate. And we are going to begin a short series uh, for a few months here on what, what I'm calling spiritual disciplines. You know, the word discipline is a good word. Oftentimes it maybe has a negative connotation because we think of it in terms of being disciplined to correct our behavior when we do something bad. But of course the word discipline, which is the word disciple comes from, is a very good word. We talk about the disciplines. We talk about education and learning. And discipline is a very good word. It's not just corrective. It is instructive. It is helpful. It is improving. And we want to talk for a few weeks about spiritual disciplines, things in our lives that, that we should be participating in as God's people that would help us in our understanding of him and our walk with him. And so this morning as we start this series, I want to start with the discipline of the Bible, of reading and studying the Bible. These are not necessarily in order of importance. They're all important. So we're going to talk about prayer. We are going to talk about meditation. Um, we're going to talk about worship. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about a lot of different disciplines. And I, so I'm not ordering them in, you know, one, two, three, four. They're all equally important. It just so happens this morning that I want to start with the Bible. So let's pray. Father, as we open your word, the Bible, the Holy Bible, we just want to stop and thank you that, that you have given us your word and that you've given us your revelation and that we stand in the tradition at our church where this is our final authority on what we believe and how we live. And I want to thank you for each person that's come today, Lord, taking time out of a busy week and uh, taking time to join us today to worship, to sing praises, and then also to look into your word and continue to worship by learning your word together. And so we pray your blessing upon us during this time. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Now for this uh, study lesson this morning, I'd like you to uh, turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 8 in your Old Testament. Nehemiah chapter 8. And while you're turning to Nehemiah, I just want to remind you that Nehemiah is, is one of the books, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, even though they're located here in your Old Testament, chronologically, historically, are at the very end of the Old Testament story. Oh, by the way, congratulations to Derek and Olga 
They are, they are engaged, and it's in your bulletin today. They're getting married this summer. So, so the Grays have two weddings this summer. Nice going. <laughs> yeah. One early summer and one late summer. So good for you. So um, Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther are chronologically at the end of the Old Testament. When they are finished, when you are finished reading Ezra, in the, in the Hebrew Bible, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah fold into each other. They're really kind of one. They're really kind of one work, okay. And Esther, when you finish those books, you have really finished reading the Old Testament. The prophets and the other writings fold back into the history, but historically, you are finished. And then you have 400 years of of no history recorded, at least in the in our Bible. There are books that do record that in the Apocrypha and so on. And then we start the New Testament. So I, just, I think it's interesting as we come to the very end of the history of the Old Testament that the emphasis, and we know the Old Testament story. It's a story of a people who have wandered away from the Lord, uh, who have been involved in various things that were not conducive to what God wanted them to do. And when the story ends, we come back to the law. We come back to the scriptures and the importance of those. I'd like you to look at uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. And as they gather together, they've, they've rebuilt the walls. As they have, they have, this group of people has come back from Babylon, from captivity. They have come back to, to rebuild the wall with Nehemiah and, and Zerubbabel, Ezra. And they have finished, and it's time for a dedication and, uh, and celebration. And it says, when the seventh month came... I see at the very end of chapter 7. And the Israelites had settled in their towns. Verse 1, all the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, the scribe, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. This, Ezra the scribe, um, his, his responsibility to, to bring out the, the scrolls. It would, be bigger, it would be bigger in volume than that just because of the, the size of the scroll to bring those scrolls out and to unroll them and to read to the people the scriptures, the holy scriptures, to read to them. So they assemble as one person. They bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. This is men, women, and young people, all who could comprehend and understand God's word. And he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men, women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform, sort of a pulpit type situation, for the occasion. And we have beside him the list of these, these men who stood with him. In verse 5, Ezra opened the book. That is, he opened the scrolls. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, notice the people all stood. This is really where the tradition comes from, that you'll notice we stand when we read Scripture together. This is a tradition that has, that has uh, found its way into the, the, the Jewish and the Christian uh, faith and culture is that we stand to honor God's word, and it really comes from partly from this here. Everybody stood up, and as they were standing, and 
And it says, Ezra, praise the Lord, the great God, verse 6. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshiped the Lord with their face to the ground. Then the Levites, and then it lists the Levites here. And it says, they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear. So the first thing I wanted to point out to you, we talk about spiritual disciplines. When it comes to the Bible, what should be a part of my life and a part of your life is discovery of God's word. To read the Bible. You know, that sounds so simple. But the starting point, in their case, they listened to it as somebody read it. But the starting point when it comes to a discipline of the Bible is to read it, to listen to it. It sounds so simple. I, like I told you, I have a lot of Bibles. I have many Bibles. I have many translations. I have that one there too now. Um, that takes a little more work because it's in Greek, okay? Um, but you know, you say, well, as a pastor, of course, you've got all the time in the world to read the Bible, right? Um, you know, it's just as much a struggle oftentimes. I have time to study the Bible. I have time to prepare messages. But to take time to just read the Bible when it is so available to us today, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, it is so easy for me. I love newspapers. When I go somewhere, I like to pick up the local newspaper. I go to Michigan, I pick up the Detroit Free Press and read it. Um, I, like, I like to read the papers. I like to read. I like nonfiction. That's, you know, I, I, just, I, like, I love history. I can read. I can get books. I have so many books that I, I buy as well. And um, that sometimes it's easy to neglect reading the Bible. And I just want to remind you this morning that the first place to start is reading the Bible. Do we read the Bible? Is it part of our lives to read God's Word, to listen to God's Word? I am so thankful that you are here today. I really am. But if this is the only time you listen to God's Word, I would suggest to you that you, you should do more. You know, sometimes people are afraid uh, of God's Word. They, they're afraid to think, well, this is written for scholars. This is written for seminary students. This is written for rabbis. This is written for professors. No, the Bible was written for average, common people like me and like you. That's who it was written for. It was written in the common language of the day. It was written to people who could hear and could understand. It was written for you. And as we think about the discipline of the Bible and what the Bible means to us, the simplest and most important place to start, and I think it's interesting that here we come to the end of the Old Testament. We're about to wrap up the history of the Old Testament. And there is an emphasis as we come to the end to the people coming and listening to God's Word. You know, it's interesting to me as I look at the New Testament, and I consider... You know, the Apostle Paul's writings, and we look at his epistles, the last epistle apparently that he wrote was 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is, is part of the pastoral epistles. Paul tells us at the end of 2 Timothy, I am at the end of my life. He tells us, I, I've been my I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Uh, he tells us clearly in the last chapter, I'm about to, to be called home to be with the Lord. Earlier he had been under house arrest, but he says, now I've faced, uh, I've faced the emperor. And I faced him alone. 
and, it's, and, and I'm about to die. He was about to be beheaded for his faith, and he was about to leave this earth. And it's interesting that the last epistle he writes, 2 Timothy, the theme of 2 Timothy has to do with the Word of God. And Paul being, and Timothy stay faithful to God's Word. Preach the Word. Preach it in season, out of season. Understand God's Word. Follow up, um, you know, the, the things you've heard of me as we shared with Al, our brother Al Lone. A great, great men's banquet last night. About 80, 80 guys were here last night for dinner. Had a great time. We had a chance to honor our brother Al. Steve Mason shared his, his ministry, his work with the Oslo Landslide is directing the recovery up there. It was a great evening of fellowship and meal. Thank everybody that had a part in it. And, and with, as we mentioned with Al, the, the certificate, that the things you've heard from me in front of many witnesses, commit to others who will be able to pass it on to others. This is the theme of 2 Timothy. Paul comes to the end of his life, and what he wants to talk about is the Word of God, the Bible, the Scriptures. Even though the New Testament Scripture obviously is not finished yet, there are still books to be written, like John's. But they have the Old Testament scriptures. They have their writings, their letters they've been, that they have been sending out. And he tells Timothy this in chapter 3, in verse 15 of 2 Timothy. Timothy, how from infancy, infancy, and as the word in the Greek language, it means a very young infant. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, you read the Old Testament. There are some challenging parts of the Old Testament. But Paul says, from infancy, you have known this, you have learned this, you have been taught it, you have memorized it, and it can make you wise unto salvation through Christ Jesus as we put all these things together. It's one of the reasons why at our church we have always had a strong tradition of teaching our children. We do not just entertain or babysit your children or grandchildren during this hour now or during Sunday school. They are being taught God's Word. They are being taught age appropriately, which means the language and the, and the, the media and the interaction is age appropriate. But it is based, everything is happening right now with our children, the, even the ones that never were in here, the little ones, is built around the Word of God. Because we have this tradition that, 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 that from infancy, you can be taught God's Word and it can make a difference. And so I want to I remind you today, first of all, when it comes to God's Word, and when it comes to spiritual disciplines, and we'll talk at the end here how we, how we enact this, how we put this to work in our life, I want to encourage you, and I encourage myself, that we need to make time in our lives daily for God's Word, to discover it, to discover it. Know God's Word. Going back to Nehemiah, well, you can put a bookmark or a bulletin in, in Timothy. We'll kind of be between these two places today. But we go back to Nehemiah chapter 8. And I want you to notice the second thing. After they read and listened to the Word of God, and we started getting into this, you'll notice in verse 8, that they read from the book of chapter 8, verse 8 of Nehemiah. They read from the book of the law of God. Now notice, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. And this is the, the group of men there in verse 7, the Levites. And you have their names there, Jeshua, Benai, Sherebiah, 
they instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. So the, the, the story that, that appears to be Ezra's reading God's word, and he reads a section of God's word, and these Levites and how many others, we aren't exactly sure because there's a lot of people there, are spread out throughout the people, and they are then taking what is read from, from Moses, from the law of God, and, and one is over here and talking to these people and instructing. Do you understand this? Do you understand what it, what it, what it says? Let me explain this to you. Let's talk about this. Some of these people didn't even know the language. They didn't live in Babylon. They didn't know Aramaic. They didn't know Hebrew. And it's read, and, and Ezra reads it in Hebrew, and someone's sitting there thinking, my, my Hebrew's a little rusty. I've been speaking in Babylon for the last how many decades, you know? And, and he, no, this is what it means in your language. And somebody's over here talking to these people, and someone's back here talking to these people, and someone's over here talking to these people. And I want you to notice the emphasis. It's not just a liturgical reading of God's Word. We don't gather together on Sunday morning and just liturgically just read it, but we try to explain it. We try to help you understand. We try to help it so that you can know what it means. And that's exactly what's going on here. It's exactly what is going on here. They read the book of the law. And the people come, and notice what it says in verse 8. They are making it clear and giving the meaning. They are translating. They are helping them understand. They are taking time to explain to the people, and these are young and old, what this means. And I want to suggest to you, friends, when it comes to the God's Word and the discipline of God's Word, that we need to have time in our life to just listen to it. We need time to read the Bible. You can read the Bible. You can read. You have a Bible. We'll give you a Bible. You can read it. It's for you. God gave it to us. And then I think it's appropriate to understand that God wants us to also take time to understand the Bible. To take the opportunity when we have teachers and leaders and other resources, and even as you gather with maybe your own family or your friends, to take time and, and talk about it and ask questions and understand what is being said. You know, the Apostle Paul back in Timothy, a passage that was that you know we grew up with in, in the King James, and it's the key verse in, in Awana too, of course. Uh, well, the acronym Awana, approved. Workmen, what? Are not ashamed. I wanna, okay? And it comes from 2 Timothy 2.15, where we learned, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that was the King James translation that I memorized, and that's where the acronym Awana comes from. The NIV says this, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. It's one thing to hear the word and listen to it, but it's another thing also to correctly handle it, to take time to understand and, and to use. You can misuse the word of God. We know that. Listen, there is a, a movement today called the prosperity gospel. And I'm, I don't, I'm not afraid to tell you, we don't teach the prosperity gospel in this church. It's sweeping the world. It's not just here. It's sweeping the world. And it's the idea that, that God intends for you and if, that you should be prosperous, you should always be healthy, healthy and wealthy, and if there's not, there's something wrong with your faith. That is, not a, that is not a scriptural teaching, friends. That is not a scriptural teaching. God will provide our needs. God will help us. God does heal. 
But this idea that if you are truly a person of faith, you will have this, it is not in the Bible. That is a mishandling of God's word. And people can be led astray in many ways from that. Paul says to correctly handle, and the reason, the reason the, the King James translates it rightly dividing is because it comes from the idea from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust the Lord with all your heart, lead not in your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will what? Direct your paths. And the idea of direct your path, it seems to be from the, is, is to cut a straight path, to make a straight a, a road that makes sense. And Paul says here to handle the word of God and, and, to, and to, make, to make a path, to cut a straight path so that it makes sense, that you can follow it. That word is a lamp. You know, in your bulletin this morning, I, I put there for your verse, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. God's word is a, is a light to our path, a lamp to our feet. And this is the Pioneer Club model where it comes from. And this idea that, that, that we are to cut a straight path and when rightly divide, the idea from a dispensational view is to understand for the Bible what is for us today. What, is us, what applies to us directly in terms of our lives today? Which is there for our understanding and knowledge and help us to know God? And which part applies to the church, the body of Christ today? So the second thing I want to suggest to you as Paul tells Timothy here, Timothy, don't be afraid. He uses the word workman here. Don't be afraid to, to take the word of God and take time to handle it correctly, to be a workman, to spend time in God's word. And I want to encourage you this morning. And we're all at different levels here. I understand that. We are all at different levels here. I understand that. Some of you are just beginning this journey. Some of you have been on this journey longer than I have. Some of you have not entered the journey yet because you have not received Christ as your Savior and you have not received the gift of salvation and eternal life. And you can do that now. Christ died for you. He paid for your sins and he offers you forgiveness for sins and eternal life. And the Bible tells us that when we become a new creation, as we talked about last week, God gives us the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit helps you in understanding God's word. And I would like to encourage you, friends, to read the Bible and to take time to think about it, to, to, to study the Bible. Again, you don't have to be a scholar. There are all sorts of wonderful opportunities. We have opportunities here. We have, we have Sunday school class. We have this time here in God's Word that we are spending time understanding God's Word. Many of you, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, are involved in Bible study fellowship. They come here on Tuesday night. It's a real commitment. It's a wonderful ministry. Um, they have a class they're offering, you may notice in our bulletin, for Bible study uh, skills and leadership skills that anybody is invited to attend. There are a lot of opportunities for you. But you can even just spend time yourself looking at a passage, looking at some of the cross-references, considering it. Ask your questions. Discover God's Word. And then for lack of it, you know, kind of corny, but I thought, you know, staying with the deed, discover is to dig in to God's Word. You know, this time of year we're working in our gardens, right? Right? Right, okay. This time of year we should start working in our gardens, right? <laughs> right. And one of the things we do is, is we dig in the ground. The idea, you know, you look at it. Um, I planted some things. I, I don't do a whole lot, but I did plant um, potatoes. I cut up the potatoes and, and planted them. I had to dig the dirt. My wife does all, of course, most of the gardening in our house. She, she's always done that. She likes that. I, I dug in the ground. And I saw what was underneath. I was going to put some compost in, but I found out it's already composted. This dirt's great, I think. And so it's, it's all set to go. I, I dug in. 
And that's where the phrase comes from, to get in, get in, get your hands in there and find out and, and get going. And I want to encourage this morning, friends, the spiritual discipline. There is no reason any of us here can't begin to spend time reading the Bible and studying the Bible and learn what it says. And don't be afraid. There are no stupid questions. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to call me and ask me. Call Pastor Kevin or Gary. Call one of our elders if you have a question. Your teacher. There are no stupid questions. And then finally, we discover God's Word. We dig into God's Word and begin that. Don't be intimidated. Don't be afraid to do that. And then finally, we do God's Word. The end result, this is not just academic. We are not here to just... To just know the Bible. We are here to know it as God told Moses and God told Joshua when it came to the Old Testament law. Know it to do it. Put it in practice. And notice what happens here. This is, this is amazing. The people are, are listening in, in, in uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 as they're listening to the, to the words. I want you to notice the response. You're supposed to respond to God's word. You go back to Nehemiah chapter 8 after they've read the Bible. And, the, and people, the, the leaders are going through and helping people understand the Bible. And as they gain understanding, as they understand what's being said, as they're being taught, look what happens here. In verse, in verse 9, as they're doing this, it says, the, the Levites who are instructing the people, and in the middle of verse 9 said, this, is, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of God, the words of the law. What happened is, as they heard the word of the law and they heard God's word, all of a sudden, as they learned it and they studied it together, and as the Levites and the teachers went through and helped people understand, all of a sudden it dawned on them they hadn't been doing God's law. It was clear what it said to do, and they had not been doing it. And all of a sudden there's this repentance and sorrow, and the people start to, they just start to, to weep and cry. Because they are convicted by God's word. It's a response. It's a doing. And notice what the, but, but Ezra and Nehemiah, wait a minute, stop. Don't cry. That's not the point of this. Don't cry. Verse 10, do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is a sacred day. And you notice the beginning of verse 10. Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks. Send some to those who have nothing prepared. You know, help, help the less fortunate even. Listen, I appreciate your response, but this is a day of joy because it was a feast of tabernacles. It was the seventh month. It was the first day. It's a feast day. And he says, go home, make food and drink and share with others and do the word of God. The word of God tells us to celebrate this day. It's a feast day. Do it. I understand your, your, your repentance, but, but go out and do this. And the people did. And you'll follow on through verse 13. You'll see that they begin to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And in verse 14, they found written the law of God, which the Lord had commanded through Moses. The Israelites were to live in booths during the Feast of the Seventh Month. And they shall proclaim this word and spread it throughout their towns in Jerusalem. Go out in the hill country, bring back branches from olive trees and wild olive trees, from myrtles, palms, shade trees, to make booths. And so they, verse 16, they went out and did it. Now this is the case here, rightly understanding God's word. We don't, need, we don't have to do this today. But they were told on this day of this month, as part of their high holy days, and as part of their celebration as God's people, this, this next continuation, go out and build these booths and live in these booths, like tents kind of, 
Because it's to remind you of where you came from. When we were in Israel, our first trip, and we were driving back to the airport, we, it, was, it was during these holidays, and we saw these, these booths being built and, and the temporary shelters where they would go in for part of the day. But I want you to notice it's a response to God's Word. It's a response. You, you, you discover God's Word. You dig in and you learn more about it. And as you do, it helps you to do God's Word. That's the end result is to do what God wants us to do. People say, how do I know God's will for my life? As if, as if God is hiding this from us. God wants you to know his will. If you read God's word and spend time with God and follow some of these spiritual disciplines, it's not that complicated. You will know what God wants you to do. And the Apostle Paul, as, as we conclude with this, he says this, back in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture, verse 16, all scripture is inspired. It's God-breathed. It's from God. And notice, it is useful. It's doable. Not for scholars, but for everybody. For teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness with the end result this, that the man of God, the woman of God, the person, all of us as believers, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for what? Huh? Every good work. Discover God's word. Dig into God's word. Do God's word. God wants us to do that. Now you might say, well, you know, Pastor Jim, that's, that's easy for you. You're a pastor. No, it's, I'm told you. I have to take time to do this too. And I want to give you a little hint. I want to give you a little hint as we go home today. Some of you might be thinking and challenged and say, you know what, that's true. I should spend more time in God's Word. In fact, I'm going to spend an hour a day in God's Word this week. I'm going to spend a half hour in God's Word this week. And friends, if, that's, if you can do that, God bless you. Amen. But if the reality is that you're not going to do that, and you're going to put it off Monday to Tuesday. Okay, I didn't get it done, but I'm going to spend that half hour Wednesday. Okay, I didn't get it done. I'm going to do it Friday. Listen, friends, you would be much better off spending five minutes each day in God's Word and make it a habit. Five minutes. Can you spend five minutes? Dads and fathers, can you lead, can you lead your families? Can you spend five minutes? with God's Word. Infants, young children, can hear God's Word age-appropriate and understand and know it. Could you spend five minutes a day in God's Word this week? Five minutes. Maybe ten. Maybe as the habit builds and becomes a regular part of your life, you can practice that. And as you do that, as you discover God's Word, it will lead you it will lead you to the place where you will want to dig in a little more and learn a little more. You will have questions. You can talk to the people in your family. You can talk to your friends. You can ask questions. It will lead you to that. And as you discover God's Word and you dig into it more and, and, and ask questions and learn and take advantage of opportunities to learn, I guarantee you, friends, it will affect your life. It will affect your life. It will affect your children's life. It will affect our young people's lives. It will affect our community. 
if God's people, and it's a sad thing today, as I hear so often that, 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 that the Bible's not being preached anymore. I, I don't know why we're here if we're not here to worship and preach God's word. I mean, I got my opinions on a lot of things, and so do you, but what matters is, is, is the word of God and how we worship God. You know, last Friday night, uh, Tia Potts' mother went home to be with the Lord last, last Monday. Um, she wanted to be 90 years old, and she wanted to make it to Easter, and both took place, and she died Monday morning. And Tia, uh, Ken called me and let me know, and, and I talked to Tia, and there was a, uh, the, the, the funeral service was down in Burien yesterday. But Friday night, they had a kind of a, her, her mother, the Vietnamese, her mother, and there was a, a memorial prayer gathering at Washelli. And I went to and I went to visit. Tia was there, and I went to visit. And um, everything that was happening up front was in Vietnamese, <laughs> so I, I didn't understand. But I kind of got the gist of things. I knew when they were praying and so on. And these flowers here today—they uh, were the most gorgeous, beautiful flowers at this service. Very important to their family and their tradition, and uh, the beautiful flowers. And that's what these are here today for. Um, they're they're from the service in memory of Tia's mom, who's with the Lord in heaven today. Ken and Tia got married in Vietnam while he was in the service there. The two of them came back, and they brought her family one by one over. And I told Ken, look at this whole group of people here, most of them Christians, all because God worked that way to, to bring you over here, to bring Tia here with you. But you know, as I went up front, and the casket was open, and Tia's mom was in, the, in, in there and, and beautifully dressed, and there was a journal, there was a journal sitting right inside the casket, right in here like that. And her sister was there, and they were looking, you know, and it was very um, good time, you know. And, and so we took the journal and looked at it, opened it up. You know what it was? This, this journal was opened up, and there was also one on the guest stand, too. And Tia's mom, there was this journal, and in this beautiful, just immaculate handwriting, all in Vietnamese, there were like two lines of a scripture verse, and then a space. Two lines of a scripture verse, and then a space. Two lines or three lines of a scripture verse. And what her sister told me in talking to Ken and Tia as well, that her mother would write out every day scripture verse. I don't know Vietnamese, but I could make out some of the references. Galatians. It was close enough that I could see it. Write out that scripture verse. And I thought of that as I was preparing this message and thought about spiritual disciplines. A simple discipline, to take a few minutes, but you know when you write something out, what an impact that makes? Have you ever noticed that? When you're trying to remember something, when you just copy it and write it out, and that simple spiritual discipline of these journals, part of her legacy, of these journals with this beautiful handwriting of just copying God's Word. You know what? Way back in Deuteronomy, before Israel even had a king, God said, when you have a king, what he is to do, he is to stop and make himself a copy of the law of God. Think of that. That king, as part of his inauguration, was to sit down and handwrite himself the entire books of Genesis Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 
I think we should have a law in our country that when a president is inaugurated, they should have to sit down and write out by hand the Constitution of the United States. <laughs> huh? Wouldn't that be a good idea? Listen, friends. This is God's Word. It's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. It's just a matter of doing it. It's just a matter of doing it. What discipline could you begin in your life? Could you write out a verse a day and think about it? Can you read five minutes a day, ten minutes a day? Can you talk to somebody? Can you take advantage of the opportunity and not be afraid and not be intimidated to study God's Word? If we do those things, God will help us to do it. God will help us to do it. Gary, come up and lead us in our closing song. Next week, we're going to talk about meditation. That is not a scary word for Christians. We're going to talk about meditation next week as a spiritual discipline. I'm going to take this with me because I don't want to tempt anybody. I don't want to be a stumbling block <laughs> to my brother Craig Cheney here because I know what he's going to do. He's going to go over and look at it. He's got to wait till next week. But I'm going to take this with me. But I always remember going to my dad's synagogue one time, and part of the service is... Uh, the rabbi or, or head elder go up front behind the pulpit, take the scrolls out of the ark, and as they walked around the room and walked around with the scrolls, all the men, Dave, would reach out. And, no, you got to shake my hand. You have to kiss it. That's right. They would reach out and kiss the scrolls that went by. Um, it's an act of, of reverence. But I just want to encourage you today, friends, read God's Word. It's not that complicated. Spend time in God's Word. Do God's Word. And ask God's blessing upon that. Father, we thank you for this day and this service. I thank you for each person that's come today. I thank you for their bringing their families, bringing their children to us to be able to teach them. And we pray your blessings on all of us this week as we walk with you. In Christ's name we pray.